Wow. Uh, thank you, Pastor Bill. That was a, a really generous introduction. I, for a second, I wasn't sure who you were talking about. But um, uh, like I said, my name is James, and uh, I have the privilege to share God's word with you today. Uh, I've been a member here for about nine years, and I've grown to love this community of Cornerstone. Um, yeah, and so if you're new or visiting, we've been going through the book of Proverbs and we've been learning a lot about wisdom and how it pertains to our daily lives. And so we want to continue uh, in this theme. And uh, so if you'll imagine with me for a moment, uh, let's say a pie chart of your life, right? And if you were to divide this pie chart according to how much time you spent during, doing certain activities, what would it look like? Maybe you have a, a piece for leisure. Maybe you have a piece for sleep. Uh, but one of the bigger pieces of this pie chart would probably pertain to work. And so it would be wise of us to look at what the Bible has to say about work. Uh, like Pastor Bill said, I had the honor of attending Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary. And during that time, I had a chance to learn about what the Bible says about work. But before attending Gordon-Conwell, I had this incorrect notion on what God said about work. See, I thought that God wanted my worship during Bible studies and Sunday services. I didn't realize that he wanted my work Monday to, I mean, my, he wanted my worship Monday to Friday through my work as well. And so what started happening was that I started to compartmentalize my life to where God was Lord over church activities. Right, but not necessarily lord over my work activities. Well, what I learned is that that's simply not true. Uh, God wants to be lord over every aspect of our life. And so the main passage today is going to come from Proverbs chapter 10, verses 2 to 5 and verse 9. And it says this. It says, uh, Treasures gained by wickedness do not profit, but righteousness delivers from death. The Lord does not let the righteous go hungry, but he thwarts the craving of the wicked. A slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. He who gathers in summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps in harvest is a son who brings shame. Whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but he who makes his ways crooked will be found out. Will you just join me in prayer? Father, uh, I'm always uh, in awe and, and humbled by the fact that you would use uh, such an imperfect person to take part in your kingdom work, Lord. And so I pray as I give this message that you will anoint me and that you will use me as your mouthpiece, Lord God, and, and that you will take this offering, uh, Lord, and all that I've planned, Lord God, and you will multiply it. And that your message will penetrate through the hearts of all those people that you love here. Uh, and that your message will rest, Lord God, with them. Uh, so be glorified today. Be honored and be blessed. In your son's name we pray. Amen. All right, so the book of Proverbs, uh, generally, there's two characters involved. Right? We have the wise person and we have the fool. We have the wise person, and we have the fool. And the author, to help illustrate points 
he uses two different extremes and many different ways to say the same thing. If we look at these, these couple of verses, we see that wisdom is associated with righteousness. Right? The wise person is righteous, while the fool is wicked. The wise person is righteous, while the fool is wicked. The wise person is also considered diligent, while the fool has a slack hand. Right? In other words, the fool is also lazy. So what we can say is that a wise worker is a diligent worker. A wise worker is a diligent worker. But what does a diligent worker look like? You know, one of the things that I love about the Bible and, and God is that he uses the most unlikely characters to teach us a lesson. And in true God-like fashion, we're going to learn this lesson on diligence from none other than the ant. So Proverbs 6, 6 through 8 says, Go to the ant, O sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. She has neither, without having any chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. Right? Go to the ant, O sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief, officer, or ruler. And by the way, this is actually true. Uh, I, I, I looked this up. Ants communicate with each other, but interestingly, they don't have a leader directing them on what to do. Right? And I'm not sure how the Bible knew this, but, but it did. Uh, well, I mean, I, I do know how, but, but anyway, without having any chief officer or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. So the first thing that we can learn from the ant is that she is proactive. Without having any chief officer or ruler, she takes initiative and goes out and does what she's designed to do. Now, one of the shows that Kelsey and I have been watching a lot lately, and it's not a new show, but we find it pretty entertaining, it's called Kitchen Nightmares. And in Kitchen Nightmares, Gordon Ramsay, this world-renowned chef, goes into failing businesses and restaurants, and he tries to help turn things around. And one of the things that I find pretty consistent amongst these failing restaurants is that they all exhibit some sort of negligence and passivity. Right? And when the leader or owner is negligent or passive, it starts to lead to a disengaged staff, inefficient operations, a dirty kitchen, and ultimately dissatisfied customers. And the businesses that start to turn things around, they start to exhibit proactivity. They start to become more proactive. How many of us have been in situations where we know we could have taken initiative, but instead we wait for our manager or boss to give us the next steps, but we're secretly hoping that they don't, so we don't have to work? Or, Maybe we become fed up with leadership. And then we become disengaged and disconnected. And we have chosen that they don't deserve our best. Well, the truth is, the Bible says that if we are wise, we will consider the ant and learn from it. But the Bible also says in Colossians 3, whatever you do, 
work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for man. Whatever you do, give it your all because you're working for the Lord and not for man. A wise worker is also proactive. The second point is that a wise worker is also forward-thinking, right? The ant prepares her bread in summer so that she and her colony can be safe for winter. The ant prepares her bread in summer so that she and her colony could be safe in winter. (laughs) For the ant, it's a matter of life or death. But oftentimes, for our daily work, the stakes aren't as high. But there's a lot to be said about good and careful preparation and planning, isn't there? There's tremendous benefits. I live with uh, two roommates, and both of them are doctors. And I see them spending a lot of time going over and reviewing patient cases. And they do it so that they can be prepared to properly care for those under their care. And I'm willing to bet that those patients benefit tremendously because of that. A good teacher will take time lesson planning for their children so that their students can learn in the best possible way. A good accountant will plan ahead and prepare their clients' taxes way before the deadline. A wise worker is forward-thinking. But what happens when we're not forward-thinking? Have you ever procrastinated before? <laughs> I heard some yeses. Uh, I definitely have. Uh, and and uh, to be honest, I have a lot. And every time I do, my stress level gets exponentially higher. The quality of my work starts to suffer. But more importantly, I compromise my Sabbath. There's been weeks where I've been forced to not take a Sabbath because I put myself in a situation where I did not have enough time to finish what I was supposed to be doing on my Monday to Friday, or for some of you, Saturday. But the Bible clearly states in Exodus that we are to remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Right? Remember the Sabbath. Keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. And there are many ways that we could plan, but one of the ways that we should be planning for our week is to keep the Sabbath holy. And if we are forward-thinking, that means that in doing so, it keeps are Monday to Friday, or like I said, Saturday for some of you, Monday to Saturday, accountable. Right? So a wise worker is a diligent worker, a wise worker is proactive, a wise worker is forward-thinking. The next thing that we learn from the ant 
is that she is hardworking and opportunistic. Hardworking and opportunistic. It says that she gathers her food in harvest. A couple weeks ago, we heard a message from Pastor Hojin, and he talked about how the sluggard stays in bed and makes excuses when it's time to work. In contrast, we see the ant gathers her food in harvest. You know, some of us, we may be presented with God-given opportunities, but for some reason, whether it's because we don't want to put in the effort or we're scared, we become paralyzed. And we don't boldly step forth through that open door. Um, unless you're new here, many of you probably know that I have this condition called Tourette's. And I could have taken that reality and I could have easily sat in the audience and listed all the reasons why, just like the slugger, that I can't be up here sharing God's word with you. But if I were to do that, I would be just like the sluggard, focusing on my inabilities rather than God's abilities. And the truth is, it would have been a lot easier to be in the audience and a lot less work. And I don't say this to pat myself on the back. I say it because I see this community that God has blessed tremendously with amazing gifts and talents. And the hope is that God will use me to empower you. And if you don't know what your gifts and talents are, that's okay. Pastor Bill has this amazing gifts and callings class uh, coming up, uh, and, and he does it many times this year. And so I really encourage you to sign up and, and go to it. I took it, and it was, it was great. It was, it was very eye-opening, and, and I'm sure you will be blessed by it. But maybe you don't want to put in the effort or maybe you're scared. The Bible says that if we're wise, we will work hard and we will put in the effort. The Bible also says that God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Second Timothy. Right? The, God, the Bible says God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. So let's be bold. Learn from the ant. A wise worker is a diligent worker. A wise worker is proactive, forward-thinking, hard-working, and opportunistic. But here's the thing. Diligence isn't enough. If we look at the verses 2 and 9, it says this, Treasures gained by wickedness do not profit, but righteousness delivers from death. Whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but he who makes his ways crooked will be found out. The key word here is integrity. <laughs> Diligence alone is not enough. It must be coupled with integrity. So the second point is a wise worker is a trustworthy worker. The character that we have at work and it doesn't just limit ourselves to work, uh, the but the character that we have in general is a direct reflection of who we serve. 
The character that we have is a direct reflection of who we serve. And so if we serve money, we will seek more of it. But money says absolutely nothing about integrity. So we will seek it at all costs. If we seek our self-image, if we serve our self-image, we will seek more fame. But only in the spotlight. Because no one sees us behind closed doors. But if we serve God and we seek more of Him, then we will understand and we will learn that it is Him who we are working for and that we are called to reflect the image of our Creator. And so we can't help but start to pursue integrity. Trustworthy worker, a, a wise worker is a trustworthy worker. So what? So what? What does that matter? The fact that God has laid out a certain way for us to approach work means that there's a specific design that he has intended for work to be like. You know, it's kind of like those, uh, those products that we have. Um, it says, for best results, use as directed. In a similar way, if we approach work with diligence and integrity, it yields the best results. But what are those results? Let's look at our main passage. It says, the wise will be delivered from death, won't go hungry, will be rich. And by the way, rich here isn't necessarily talking about monetary riches. And it also says that the wise will be secure. So again, the wise delivered from death, won't go hungry, be rich, and secure. In other words, diligent work done with integrity gives life. Diligent work done with integrity gives life. But there's more. A wise worker is prudent while the fool brings shame. What's the opposite of shame? Bringing glory. Diligent work done with integrity, gives life and brings glory to God. So how does this play out? How does this play out? How does it give life? How does it bring glory to God? Well, for one, God uses our work to bless others. God uses our work to bless others. The collective result of our daily work helps us live. That breakfast that we had this morning, that's the direct result of many people's work. God uses our work to sustain us. But he doesn't just end there. He wants to help us thrive. And so that Uber that you took to church today, someone had to design and build that car. Someone else had to innovate and create that app. And then someone had to get you here safely. 
We don't need the Uber, but it's great to have. God wants to use our work to bless others. God wants to use our work to bless others. I know sometimes it's hard to see the fruit of our labor. We're so used to seeing immediate results. But just because we don't see something immediately doesn't mean that God isn't using our daily, sometimes tedious work in amazing ways. And I wanna, uh, I'm going to go on, on a slight tangent here, but I, I felt like it's important. Uh, and I think some of us may struggle with the fact that we may not be making enough money. Or some of us may not be so proud of the job that we have or the title that we carry. But the truth is, God is not impressed by your job title or salary. And on the flip side, he is not depressed by your job title or salary. He sees absolutely no difference between a doctor or a janitor, CEO or assistant. In fact, he says our value comes from being made in his image and that alone. Okay, back on track. So he wants to use our work to bless others. He also wants to use our work to bless ourselves. He wants to use our work to bless ourselves, to bless us. You see, our work is also for our own personal development. Right? In Jeremiah it says, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And work is a huge part of those plans. Many of you know Steve Jobs. And uh, he was a former CEO of Apple. And he's known for revolutionizing the media industry. Many of you know him as also inventing the MacBook, iPod, iPad, iPhone. But do you know what else he's known for? He's known for computer fonts. In college, he took this calligraphy class and he didn't think much of it. It seemed pretty unimportant at that time. But 10 years down the road, when he invented his first Mac computer, he remembered his experience at that calligraphy class. And the knowledge that he gained helped him implement computer fonts. 10 years down the road, Are we relying on our own wisdom to determine what part of our work is meaningful and what part is meaningless? Or are we trusting in what God has to say about it? The third and final way that God uses our work is 
to fulfill his ultimate will. Is to fulfill his ultimate will. What does that mean? You see, on the one hand, we have an enemy who seeks to fracture and destroy relationships. Relationships with God, relationships with each other. That's what he wants. And on the other hand, we have a loving God who seeks to restore and reconcile these relationships with himself and with each other. <clears throat> what is the greatest commandment? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And the second is just like it. Love your neighbor as yourself, Matthew 22. What is the great commission? Go out and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teach them, Matthew 28. What's the ministry that Paul says God gave us in 2 Corinthians? All this from God who through Christ Jesus reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. God is all about relationships. And, it's, and it is through diligent work done with integrity that he helps carry that out. <clears throat> Needs to be both. Have you ever seen a lazy worker? How much credibility does he or she have? Not much. Not much. Do you know what the Bible says about skillful workers? He will stand before kings, not obscure men. Friends, excellence gets noticed. It's not just about going to work and evangelizing and being a good person. We must do our part and be diligent in our work. But what's the quickest way to destroy relationships? It's to break their trust. So diligent work needs to be coupled with integrity. And God will use it. God will use it to bless others, to bless us, and to carry out his ultimate will. Uh, there's, a, there's this planter tree. I'm, I'm actually not sure what it is, but it, basically it's a Chinese bamboo tree. I guess it's a tree. And this Chinese bamboo tree, just like any other tree, needs light, fertile soil, and water to survive. And just like any other tree, it starts off as a very small seed. And it needs someone to nurture it, to tend to it every day. But the thing about this Chinese bamboo tree is that you can do that for the first year and nothing happens. Or at least it seems like nothing happens on the surface. The entire first year, you can tend to it, be faithful with it, and it will not break ground. And then in the second year, same exact thing, <clears throat> nothing. Third time's a charm, right? Third year. Nothing. 
In fact, it's not until the fifth year that it starts to break ground. Five years. But something amazing happens when it starts to break ground. In six weeks, it can grow up to 80 feet. Like 80 feet in six weeks. So the question is, did that, did that Chinese bamboo tree grow 80 feet in six weeks or five years? Marlon knows the answer. It's five years. And so when we approach work, sometimes we want to see results in such an immediate way. Isn't that what we're used to? Fast food, have it now on demand. But God's timing oftentimes does not correlate with our own timing and desires. God's the wise one, isn't he? And so we're called to approach work with diligence and integrity and to trust that God is going to make something from that and do something with it, even if it seems like we don't see results visibly. And though we're called to be diligent and to approach work with integrity, if we're honest with ourselves, we're not going to be perfect at that, right? But that's the beauty of the gospel. And it says by his grace, through our faith, and the blood that was shed by his son, Jesus Christ, he will make up for our shortcomings and that his promises are true. Diligent work done with integrity gives life and brings glory to God. Let's pray. Father, we uh, thank you so much um, for your word and for offering to be a God who wants to empower us and partner with us so that we can experience the joys that come from your blessings and the work that we can do with our hands and feet, with our intellect. And I pray that when we go into our work on Monday or whatever day the start of our week is, that we can remember to be diligent and to approach our tasks with integrity one day at a time. And when we fall and when we fail, I pray pray that we can run to you and we can stand up again and try again. And more importantly, Lord God, I pray that we can trust in your promises that you will make good on your word. And that although we can't see sometimes what's going on, we believe that you are a God that is all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving, and all-wise. And so empower us, give us strength, give us uh, boldness to walk forth uh, and carry out your will so that we can thrive and the whole world can thrive and that you will be blessed. In your son's name we pray, amen.